This is Work on the Beat. It is Tuesday, March 9th, 2021. I'm Kevin Cooney along with Mike Kern. Glad you could join us here on a jam-packed show as everything starts to get back into play. Phillies in spring training. Flyer, uh, Sixers pass the All-Star break. The Flyers uh, really need to s- snap out of their struggles quickly the way that the Eastern Division is going. Uh, and the NCAA tournament, obviously, taking center stage next week. Conference tournaments this week. Drexel playing tonight for an NCAA tournament berth against Elon. Uh, but joining us to talk all of it. This is one of those shows we need to talk a little <laughs> bit of everything. So, I can't think of a better person to talk just a little bit of everything. Well, everything except Carson Wentz, because I refuse to, to mention him at this point. Oh, all right. Uh, you just did. I, all right. Well, I'm just setting the ground rules here. It's from the Delco Times, the columnist, Jack McCaffrey. Jack, how are you? Hi, Kev. Hi, Mike. Yo. Good to be here. Well, I, excuse me, guys. I'm still watching the, the Harry and Meghan rerun, so if, if I... You know, if I miss you or something, it's because I'm still watching that. You're I'm, that I'm, riveted, huh? Yeah. Breaking uh, that film down. Breaking it down. That's right. That's right. Um, I'm riveted, baby. All right, Jack. Let's, oh, man. Let's start, let's start with the Sixers. And obviously, at the midway point, lead the East. Um, you know, Simmons and, and B didn't play in the All-Star game because they, you know, because of the, their, their barber got uh, you know, had came down yeah. with COVID, but I, I don't think anybody's expecting him to miss significant time here. Maybe, maybe the Thursday night game against uh, you know Chicago if they don't develop sim- symptoms. Um, but it also feels like they really need to make a move given what Brooklyn has done, uh, getting James Harden now, getting Blake Griffin. Uh, where are you standing on this? Uh, what does Daryl Morey have to do moving forward here? Of course. So that's the way the league is, is set up. It, it, you get to the trade deadline, you add players, and the, the, the contenders add players, and the the rebuilding teams get rid of players and, exp- and expire in contracts. This is nothing new, and uh, it's it's setting up exactly the way the Sixers should have it set up by now. Now, obviously, the deadline is March 25th. They've got to do something at that point. My preference would be um, Kyle Lowry. If they could pull that off, that would be – that would. Put them right back in the conversation with the Nets, but no, you can't uh, be a contender and not make a move at the trade deadline of some sort. Even a few years ago, when they went and got, uh, you know, Ersan and those guys, Yuli Sova and, and Bellinelli, and they made some uh, moves. You, you make moves, so they, they're going to have to do something at the trade deadline. And uh, they, you don't bring in Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey to just sit there. So they're going to do something. Jack, so what? Jack, what was? Uh, sorry, Mike. I want to ask one question on the trade deadline here. Yeah, what, sure. what is the main focus? Where should they be looking? You mentioned Kyle Lowry. I think one thing they have to do is build some bench depth. I mean, but where should they be looking position-wise? Maybe well, you four. just circled around to the two, of course. A, 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 a point guard who can score. He can move Simmons off, off the ball a little bit. And then back up. I love their defensive unit, in the, their, their second unit in the regular season. It's been great. Howard's been great. Thibault's been great. Maxie's been good. Uh, every once in a while, Scott pops up. But you you need – you're absolutely right. You need another veteran scorer on that second unit. You you cannot uh, win in the playoffs if your backup guards – oh, Shea can score. So it's Shea. But after that, it's Thibault and Maxie. Neither one of those are big shooters. One more shooter, one more big coming off the bench, just a big 
veteran experienced body and then a starting point guard. That's the three moves that I would try to make. Go ahead, Mike. That's a lot of moves. Um, I guess Max, he's not on tradable anymore. But Jack, do you think that Griffin in himself is going to really help the Nets or not make, I mean, or is it going to come down to their big three or is he really going to be a piece that you're going to sit there two months from now and say, man, that Griffin guy really gave them a boost. You watch him play and you know that he's a tr- tremendous player. He's never available. He's always injured. He's very undependable. Uh, they, they've already they've already made their, their play in, in, in Brooklyn, which is we're going to bring in players and we don't care how disruptive the whole process can be. You, you, you put together Kyrie Irving and uh, James Harden on the same team. You've already, you've already said to everybody else, we're just going to try to put an all-star team together and win that way. You've got an entry-level coach. It's uh, They're trying to win with an all-star game, an all-star team. And uh, under those circumstances, I'll take the, the way the Sixers are doing it, You know, having Simmons and, and Harris and, and Bede around for a while, having a coach that knows how to get from here to there, and then putting together maybe one or two pieces at the, the trade deadline. So they're playing rotisserie basketball. And they're playing it at a very high level, taking high risks. Uh, I'd be I'd be senseless to say that Blake Irvin's not a great player. He sure is, but uh, I'll believe it when I see it because he's always injured. Well, yeah, yeah, and the injuries have taken a toll the last couple of years. It's pretty obvious when he got to Detroit, he was a different player though than he was. Well, his his interest level too, Kevin. I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, I I because Doc obviously coached him in L.A. Um, I don't know if this rejuvenates him, but like like Jack said, if if you're not playing, it don't really matter. Well, and, and that leads to the question: like we Mike mentions Doc. I mean, how much of what has transpired here is Rivers instilling a system that has worked well with this group and allowed growth in Embiid. A little bit in Simmons. I don't think it's as much as Embiid, obviously. Um, but there's been growth in their games, and how much of that is a credit to the style that that Doc has put in? Uh, very much. I, I, obviously, he's uh, he's got everybody in the right positions at the right time, and he's gotten the most out of them in very different ways. I think one of the best ways that recently that we've seen him get the most out of Joel is he kind of prodded him a little bit by saying, look, the people are saying you're not playing against the top centers in the league. Well, he made sure that, that, that Joel knew that, or somebody in the Sixers made sure that Joel knew that that, that conversation was out there. So what happens? Joel, knowing the way Joel is, you put that in his mind, he comes out and drops a 40-piece on the defensive player of the year. And might I say, a quiet 40. It was yeah. – so you see, so these are the little subtle things. Um, I've stopped it, – it, it's senseless anymore to fight that Ben Simmons has to shoot three-pointers, war, that's all, you know. But Doc handled that by saying, okay, we're not even going to ask him to do it. We'll just let him do the create inside and, and around the basket. He's done a great job with that. He's gotten uh, Dwight Howard, uh, who over the years has been you – know, a little sensitive to about when he gets playing time. Yeah. Of course, he's a little older now, but he's got he's got Dwight Howard, one hundred percent buying in, two hundred percent buying in as the backup center, not even starting on the nights that Joel doesn't play. He's got he 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 figured out that Shake Milton is a 
a point guard, maybe not a starting point guard. The Sixers tried to force him into the starting lineup at the end of last year. He's a second unit point guard who can score. So what it, what you keep seeing from Doc is is you're not going to break down his his uh, sideline inbounds passes the percentage at the end of the games. Everybody runs the same stuff, but the way he he's been able to get the most out of these players in this particular year, to me, that's been the most impressive part of, of what he's done. Uh, Mike, do, do, we, do either of you guys think that if the Sixers don't make a major move, if they don't get Kyrie, and I, I, I don't know if any of those, I mean, Kyrie, I mean, um, the guy from Toronto, Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry, that if they, if they, all they do is make a minor move or two because of circumstances or because of whatever, can they get to the finals? Can they, you know, get past the Nets if it comes down to the Nets and them? Because I keep hearing people, like, and we're all kind of like, well, they got to do this, they got to do this. And I, I get it. I, I understand. But I'm kind of thinking that even if they don't do very much, they still got a shot, I think, right? Well, you, I, you know where you make a good point is there, and I, and I brought it up to Doc personally. I, I said, you make too many moves, you're going you're gonna to risk this chemistry that you've got. Yep. And, and exactly. I said, to him, and, and it was, but I, it's funny, Mike, because I got, a, I got an answer I wasn't expecting. I said to him, um, as a coach, you've got those those teams don't come all along often. That you have that chemistry. Would you be you know reluctant to maybe um, manipulate with that or, or or put that at any risk? And I'm paraphrasing Doc, he said, eh. he says chemistry. He said you build chemistry. He said he said uh, chemistry is is built. And basically, he was saying, I'll, I'll give me the players, I'll build the chemistry. He doesn't, he, he, yeah. he, he doesn't I, think it's yeah. organic. He thinks it's. He can he can make chemistry out of whatever he's done. So to get, circle back to your original question, can they win with the team they've got? Not a championship. They need one or two. We'll, we'll, they need one or two more players, and at that level, that's the way it's done. Well, Jack, it's funny that okay. that answer reminds me of what Charlie Manuel used to say. You know, I want the best of everything. You know, I I'll fix everything else later, but give me the best of everything, and I'll take my chances. But the one reason I think they do have a puncher's chance of at least getting to the final, whether they can beat the Lakers or even mm-hmm. the Jazz in a seven-game series, I don't know. But the reason I think they have a shot to get past Brooklyn is defensively, Brooklyn is so bad, and they don't have a matchup, in my mind, for Embiid. And, yeah, okay, they could go three for two a lot. There's a lot of nights we've seen James Harden in the playoffs where the three doesn't hit, and... I don't think that's an awful matchup for them. I, I don't think it's great, but I don't think it's absolutely like no shot in hell of beating Brooklyn if they ended up going in with this roster. I agree with you. It would be a long series either way. And it's a great point, Kev. I mean, for us to even be talking about a championship, we have to agree that the foundation is there right now. It's there. We're only talking about tweaking it. So you got your cornerstones, yeah. If you have to, if you have to uh, go in to the playoffs with this, yeah, show up and play. You certainly have the best player in the league right now. You've got a great coach. Harris is playing at the top of his game. Simmons is an all star. Yeah, you, you take your shot at it. So I'm always saying is that you know the available the players are going to be available there. The league is set up for you to to improve. Hey, maybe yeah. you don't want to pass up that opportunity. Let me. And, and who thought when they left the bubble? Which was only what two six days months ago. ago? Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that we would have been having this kind of a conversation 
it's it's amazing. But people don't even remember that now. They no. don't remember last season. No, well, but- you, know, you, you improved. I mean, you, Al Horford was uh, sure ill-fitting. Didn't didn't help at all. Uh, Richardson is above average. Nothing special. But we didn't know. We didn't know that we were, they were going to be able to get rid of Horford. You know, we didn't know oh, yeah, no, no, any of these things right. were going to happen. Down. Yeah, they did. I mean, they got different. And they got better. Where is Horford? What is Horford? Is Horford playing for somebody? Like, is he doing anything? I, so. I don't even you pay know, attention. Sorry to ask me that. I, uh, Oklahoma City, I think. Yeah. I okay. Think but he's not okay. really playing that much. I yeah. think. Uh, you know, he's kind of, done. He's at the end of his career. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know that was a, that making was a, good making good coin though. <laughs> wow, they're all make, they're all making good coin. Jack, let me let me yeah, let me flip this to the to the Flyers. Um, they've had some vulnerabilities laid out there pretty clear the last the last week with the games in Pittsburgh and even the game they won in Pittsburgh. They kind of won a little bit of a miracle. Uh, you know when you fall behind three nothing five minutes in and and find a way to come back um they're in this real tight race and somebody good's going to end up missing the playoffs uh the islanders capitals penguins <laughs> bruins and, and flyers um i think the pressure's on cliff fletcher for the first time to make a deal and i think he has to improve defensively because defensively they've been awful and, and lend the goaltenders hanging out the dry yeah, it's it's a, isn't it an odd year where you're only playing the same teams over and over. And uh, I guess baseball was the same way, but yeah, that's. Uh, but that was only two months, not seven. You're not gonna have, you're not gonna be able to uh, to do this without some changes. They've had some they've had some challenges. They've got some guys missing missing for the health concerns and things like that. And this is about their time. Their specialty teams haven't been great. Uh, they're just kind of with twelve wins and ten losses. It's. Uh, they're just sort of there. So are they going to make a push? You got the right coach to do it. You got the right coach to, to do it. So and his and his history now, now's the time. And his history has obviously been one where they've in his second year his teams have done really well. You see Vancouver, you see it with the Rangers and everything. Um, you know, and he does have the short shelf life. So maybe they get more aggressive than they normally would, wouldn't you think? Yeah. It's it's uh that's a really fair question because they could look at it and say, well, we're not going to, we don't have what it takes to get there to the top of this division, which oh. would be very disappointing for Flyers fans because there was a little excitement building during the playoffs last year. And it's been, it's been understandable this year that they've had some different, they haven't been able to get any traction. They haven't had been able to get the, their lines together and on any consistent basis, but they all seem to be ready to go now. They've, AV's going to put together some lines he's going to stick with for a while. You've got two good goaltenders, and that's key. You need goaltending depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I agree. So you, you make a little move at the trade deadline and try to sneak into the playoffs and make a run. I mean, you, we all know that in Stanley Cup playoffs, the eight, an eight seed can easily make a run to win it all. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, what, would, yeah. what would they be? You know, we know what the Sixers are kind of looking for and, and who those people might be. It's, is there anybody out there that, like, a name I recognize or something like that, that the Flyers might be looking at, or is it just something that might happen because it happens? I think Kev, Kev has it. It's defense. You know, yeah, you they need add, defense. You know, another big veteran defense. Somebody who's maybe has right. been there. Maybe somebody who's won a cup. Something like that. Maybe. Uh, but can you get somebody who's game. maybe? It's like in the NBA, we always talk about expiring contracts and teams are you know maybe trying to move on. 
are there people out there that maybe the Flyers could look at? And would other teams also yeah. be looking at those same type of guys? The bad teams are going to move up to move players. Right. I mean, so they'll, be, they'll be available. You know, th- th- there's been rum- there's been rumors about them with uh, Ekholm, the uh, one defenseman uh, from Nashville, who I think everybody feels like is going to be on the market. I think he's an expiring contract. Um, you know, he's been linked there. I wouldn't be surprised if you end up Nashville, maybe their best trading partner at this point, because Nashville is in a little bit of a bind, but yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. See, the problem for the flyers is so much of what they were built for. It, so much they were built for under the Hextall regime was okay. We're going to get the goaltender and, and look, despite his struggles, I think Carter Hart's going to be fine. Okay, yeah. and they're gonna go ahead. I'm sorry, Jack. No, he'll be fine. I agree. But we're gonna build with this group of defensemen, and, and, and the defensemen, you know, the Gossa Spears of the world, uh, you know, uh, Sanheim, um, I'm, I'm Provorov, all of them. Uh, they, yeah. they, yeah, hey, they haven't really lived up to that. Yeah, and and I think that's where you know, Ghost has had some moments this year. Provorov is still really good. But I think that that's where you see a real problem for them. And when do you kind of pull the ripcord on one of these guys to move them in a trade? That's the tricky part I think they got, you know? That's where your original uh, statement is accurate. This is a real do-or-die time. Not a do-or-die, but this is a telling turning point moment for for Fletcher. It's, uh, you know, maybe you have to move some of the, the old standbys. Maybe you have to break it up a little bit. I'll tell you what. He's got a pretty good eye for talent, this guy. Yeah, he does. I, I trust him. I trust him to say, hey, I don't like this one that guy. I'll move him for your guy and uh, improve. So I, I didn't think it's, they – It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see what he does here. I didn't think they miss, miss Matt Niskanen as much as they have. I mean uh, – He was good. I, I thought yeah. he was good, but I didn't think he was like Bobby Orr Jr., which is what he's looked <laughs> like at times this year. Yeah. Um, Or without him this year. Let me let me flip your attention to the NCAA tournament. Obviously, you know I know you have a rooting interest with your brother. Yeah, sure. uh, one, how do you think this is going to play out with everything in one site? Um, you know, so much of the tournament is what region you're stacked up in. You know, maybe geographical if you have people in the stands and all this. It's going to be different, isn't it? Having everything in Indiana and just everybody, you know, it's, you know, region two, region three, region four, you know, and, and, you know, everybody's pretty much staying at the same hotels at this point. Well, sure. It'll be different. Um, Obviously it's not all at the same building. I mean, there's, there's five or six different buildings that are going to be using around town. So you'll be, everybody's not going to be on top of each other. Uh, It's uh, the, the, for the most part, every game in NCAA tournaments on a neutral floor anyway. Mm-hmm. The only floors that they're using of a, of a college team would be Indiana and Purdue. So be flabbergasted if Purdue got to play on their home court. I kind of doubt it. Yeah. Not, there's a 0% chance of that. So uh, you might you might miss, in other words, having to play Gonzaga in, in, in the state of Washington in the second round where there's 20,000 
and Gonzaga fans screaming bloody murder. So you, or Duke you might and, miss that. Or Duke and Greensboro or whatever. Right? Yeah. So you'll you'll miss a little of that, but uh, it's supposed it's, it's theory is supposed to be neutral site anyway. And there's so many sites there in Indianapolis. It'll I don't see that the feel will be to, to the viewer will be any different. I don't. Know. I'd like to hear. How about for the teams? Well, Jack, well, the the big, even the teams are going to be in a bubble more than they are in the even in the conference tournaments. It's going to be a it's going to be a major bubble. Uh, everybody's got their own floor of a hotel. No St. Elmo's. No St. Elmo's. You can get you can get takeout. <laughs> they they will deliver and stuff like that. Uh, you will. Uh, so uh, no families, no no uh, outsiders at all. So that'll be a, a little different. Um, but everything in Indianapolis is, as you guys have been there a million times, it's kind of convenient. You can get from one place to the other. And uh, mm-hmm. once you get onto that floor, it's going to be the same. It's going to be the same. But I mean, meeting on the playing floor. Mike, you're breaking Gonzaga up. Gonzaga and okay. Baylor have been the best two teams or top two teams. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, go yeah, ahead. I can, hear you. Go ahead. can you hear me? Yes. Okay. The Gonzaga and Baylor have basically been one, two all year, but the big 10 has had, you know, like the next three or four teams for most of the year, Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, um, Ohio state. Do you think this could be a year where a conference could maybe kind of do what the big East did way back in 85 or, you know, we don't know what the brackets are going to be yet or who's going to be paired with who, but can the big 10 get, let's say two teams to, to a final four. Is that a reasonable? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. They could get four to the final four. Okay. That's how good they are. And Gonzaga's tremendous. And uh, it was, you know, obviously we're talking about an outlier getting four teams to the final four, but geez, there's seven teams and eight teams in the big 10 that would not be out of place in the final four. And it comes down to matchups. Who are you playing? Injuries, right. make a foul shot down the stretch, you know, get a call. I mean, it's, it's 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 all. But sitting here, you know, a week ahead of the selection Sunday, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And obviously, your your, your brother the, has a your brother has a potential player of the year, maybe the front runner. Um, Illinois has a tremendous player. Um, you know, sometimes those guys can carry you. You know, they can kind of put you on their on their back a little bit. We've seen That's that right. before in the tournament, yeah, sure. and absolutely. this year could be that kind of year, right? It could be. It could be. I, I'd be. I'd be uh, less than honest to say that uh, Gonzaga is not a cut above. Mm-hmm. They, they're they're cut above, and then after that, it's. Uh, I, I, I I promise you, Baylor wouldn't run the table in the in the Big Ten the way they did in the, the Big Twelve. Well, Gonzaga, yeah, but Gonzaga wouldn't do that in the Big Ten either. Gonzaga. No, no you, yeah, exactly. You're, you're not. You're not going to. You know. So it can be. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's going to be like every other tournament. It's, it's who, who you're mm-hmm. matched up against. And you talk about, can a great player carry you? Sure, mm-hmm. sure, carry, can, carry you to a point. Can, are you, can you actually hold an NCAA tournament without Duke and Kentucky? Is that like in the rules? Well, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, fun, it's, funny, it's funny you should bring that up. It, it's like, there was, I heard all about that this recently. It's like, oh, well, the Blue Bloods this and the Blue Bloods that. Well, stop me! Stop me when I don't name a blue blood here. And these are the teams that are going to be in the tournament: North Carolina, Kansas, Villanova, Gonzaga, Virginia, Michigan, Michigan State, 
Ohio State. I mean, how many how many more blue bloods do I have to come down? To? I mean, they're all they are all in well, there. I, I think that conversation. I think that conversation was held when Michigan State looked like they were going to be on the on the outs, and maybe Carolina was slipping yeah. too. Yeah, yeah but it's more it's more Duke and Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. Now Duke, and I'll say this: Duke, you, with the exception of that Carolina game last week, I'm not going to shed tears for Duke, and I'll tell you why: they were in almost all of those games they lost. It's like they were. It wasn't like somehow Duke was hard done to and just was unable to compete this year. They were in every game, and somehow they just didn't win. And sometimes that happens. Kentucky bothers me, and I'll tell you why. Because, you guys, in fact, I wrote about this in the Daily Times, just in a blurb. You guys might have seen it or read about it. They had a uh, uh, a preseason practice on TV. You might have even seen it. I remember it. Yep. Do you remember it? You know what I'm talking about. And, and they were interviewing Calipari in a split-screen kind of situation. And behind it, the team was playing Kevin Mike. The best I can call describe it was basketball vandalism. They were coming over half court and throwing hook shots up, getting out of each other's way and playing exaggerated matador defense. You dunk on me, I'll dunk on you. Throw the ball, alley-oops. Absolute, simple, ridiculous basketball. And the announcer says to Calipari, what is this going on behind me here? (laughs) I'll give the guy credit. I don't even know what network it was on. It's probably the SEC network. Right, Calipari, Calipari cackles. <laughs> he says that we, that's what we want everybody to see. Okay, you know what? What I saw was a team that thought it was better than it was, and was taking it not seriously enough. And you could argue, you say, Jack, it was a TV show one night on a. Okay, all right, say that. But I, I tell you what, I saw. I saw a team that was not being prepared. So. I will shed no tears for Kentucky not making the tournament. And, and well, I remember the coach from Carolina recently even, Roy, said said kind of what you're alluding to, Jack. He goes, I think we think we're better than we are because we have North Carolina in front of our jerseys. And at some point that does mean something. But at some point you got to go out and play. You know, you can't just go out and say, hey, we're, we're Kentucky. We're North Carolina. We're Duke. You know, it doesn't work that way anymore. No, you're a great point, Mike. Great point. And I wouldn't accuse Duke and Carolina of doing that in practice, but I saw right. Kentucky doing it and saying, what the heck was that? So so Kentucky's out. Duke is probably out unless they win five in the big in the Atlantic uh, the ACC tournament. Don't put that past them either. But Yeah, I was just gonna say that. I, I wouldn't surprise me if Duke ended up in the weekend in the <laughs> ACC. I mean Maybe if they win four in the they have to win five, don't they? I think they have to win five, but, uh, you know, they could get on. Look, the ACC is not great. I mean, I know that Lenardi has them at like six or seven teams. I I don't get it. I mean, I I look at the ACC as a big pot of mediocrity, you know, at this point. Yeah. No, that's why I agree with you. That's why I said it. I said maybe four gets them in. Maybe. Maybe they win four, they get in. And then it comes back to your original point, Mike. If you're Duke. You're, you're, you got a chance. You got to put him in. So. Uh, oh, yeah. Let, yeah. Let, let me ask you about Villanova. Obviously, Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore. Colin Gillespie's out for the rest of the year. Justin Moore, uh, their second, their third leading scorer. Their two of their top three leading scorers are at least going to miss the Big East tournament. Gillespie's oh. definitely missing the NCAA's. You don't come back from ankles, Kevin. No. In, in a couple of weeks, you know that. No, but the official word is he's doubtful. I know. I know. Um, I, know. I mean, if Jay gets him to the second weekend this year. They, they ought to just name the. They ought to name Lancaster Avenue after him, shouldn't they? 
he's got nothing else to prove. I mean, if he doesn't, he's already proven what he has to prove. He won two national championships. Uh, if, if they're going to put a statue up of Jay Wright up over there, then it's already been, you know, earned. So, yeah, but Rat- got to prove anything. Radner, Radner's slow to move on some stuff. We know <laughs> that. So, it's I guess someday, someday you'll name the court after him. Okay? Yeah. Thank you. you. You guys will love this. I have a guy who emails me. He's been emailing me for ten years. And when they lost the game, I guess it was the game Gillespie got hurt. And I didn't realize that Gillespie well, got hurt. No, they, he emails me they, telling they me that, that Jay is doing the worst job he's ever done. They should be embarrassed. <laughs> I'm serious. And he went on, and I'm like. Dude, like, okay, I, I, what are you talking about? Like, you know, and then I saw where Gillespie had gotten hurt. I'm like, okay, so they played most of the game without Gillespie. Like, they won that game against Creighton, by the way. Just like, if Jay Wright never does another thing in his life, I don't care if they ever make it past the second round. If he coaches another 10 years, I don't care. They won two flipping national titles. Like, tell me what other schools done that other than Duke and Carolina in like the last 20, 25 years. Doesn't yeah. happen. No, it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's that way in all the major programs. You better not be behind at halftime. No, yeah, I mean, right. You're, not, you're right. You could be on a six-game winning streak, but if you're behind at halftime. It's the coach's yeah. fault. Well, you, you know how that works, right, Jack? You're, you, you, you've seen it. I know. It's, uh, it's uh, I'm sure Jay Wright is not losing any sleep over that that email guy. Well, well no. and Jack, let me ask you one other question. This is involving the rest of the city. Obviously, Drexel is going to play for a tournament bid tonight. And good for them. I mean, you know, if they hopefully they they go playing the eight seed, they're a three point favorite. Yeah, whatever that's worth. Yeah, eight seeds beat the one and the two the last two nights, though. So let's and it's won seven straight games. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, but 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 good good for them, man. Good for them. But let me focus on LaSalle, St. Joe's, and Temple. Uh, Since Penn obviously didn't play this year because because of COVID, Um, the distance between. Villanova and them is astronomical at this point. And especially in the case of Temple, where it feels like the program is really just I, I want to say spinning its uh, spinning its wheels in mud at this point. I mean, where do you where do you see the rest of the Big 5 at this point as we get towards, you know, the end of another college basketball season? Obviously, two of the three are already done. They told me, well, yeah, yeah. I see geniuses, right? You had you had to get rid of Phil Martelli and you had to get rid of Fran Dunphy. How'd that work out for you? Really? I mean, you talk about two guys that were perfect for their programs. Perfect. One games got you to the tournament. One twenty games uh, recruited at a pretty high level, and now so you had to get rid of them. This is and we all said, I can't speak for you guys. I'll tell you what, I wrote it. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to regret getting rid of these two guys. Well, the record speaks for themselves. That's where I'll go for there. And, 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 and it was, it's sad that he didn't play this year. There was no game at the Palestra at all, period, no, was there? No, not, not one game at the Palestra this year. I will say also with Temple, that conference does them no favors. I mean, the conference is good, but they're, you know, it doesn't it doesn't draw for recruiting. It doesn't. No, it's 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 a uh, it's a it's a thrown together, slapped together conference of, of really pro, uh, coaches that uh, let's just put this way. You wouldn't want to have to recruit against them for a lot of different reasons. So it's, 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 it's crazy. It's a crazy conference and you're not going to, uh, you're not going to tell people in Philadelphia, come down and see temple Tulsa. 
They don't know the difference between that and Temple Iona. They wouldn't. They just don't. It's like you're absolutely you know, right. It's like okay, Temple Iona, Temple Tulsa, Temple UMass, whatever. Or maybe Temple UMass has it. Oh yeah, history. But you know what I mean. It's it's it, the the conference is not. It, it's it's got no appeal to people here. Now, obviously, they didn't let let fans in this year anyway, to the best of my knowledge. But for the most part, that 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 league, once fans are allowed back, people aren't they're not attracted to it. It's it's a it's a it's a difficult situation. We all understand it's a football how that way. They was all for football. I guess maybe they're making some football money off of it, but it's not good for basketball. Okay, Mike. Yeah, it's just it's you know what, Jack, you're absolutely right. And look, I'm not and I'm not saying that that at some point you do have to part with people. And I get it. Fran's last three or four years weren't that good. Phil had, had some issues, but he had won the Atlantic Ten title in fourteen sixteen. So I mean, you know, I, I understand that. What do you think? Do, do you think, like, if we're having this conversation five years from now, six years from now, is it still Villanova and, and like, and I don't mean everyone else because they're, they're never going to be Villanova, but do you think the gap will still be this great? Um, because there really, to me, there is no big five anymore. You know, Villanova, what Villanova's accomplished and what they have, and then you look at Temple, which, you know, wants to be Villanova. St. Joe wants to be Villanova. They all want to be Villanova. It's just hard for me ever to see that gap closing at all. It's not. I mean, it's not going to close. It's not going to close. Now, I made the point that you, the people in Philadelphia don't know the difference between Temple Tulsa and Temple Iona. But they darn would know the difference between Temple, you know, Michigan State or Temple, uh, you know, St. John's or Temple, right. you know, Virginia Tech, and like if they were in one of those major conferences, then Temple, mm-hmm. I think, would have the uh, ability. They certainly have the money, the student body size, the facility, the media market, the history to to make that move into uh, one of the major conferences if that would ever open up. But as long as they're going to be in one of those mid-major, I guess the American is not a mid-major, but lower than the, the, the power conferences, they're never going to catch Villanova ever. Uh, it's going to be dog chasing its tail the whole time. Yeah, exactly. And then as far as and Penn's in the Ivy League, and they're going to, that's where they're going to be happy with that. St. Joe's and LaSalle are in the Atlantic 10, and that's where they belong. And LaSalle and St. Joe's with the resources, I mean, they're both struggling to. I mean, look, they, they just. They're not catching Villanova. They're not no. catching a Big East team. They're not. No. Uh, let me let me before we close this out. Let me ask you about the Phillies. Um, you know they're in Clearwater. They, they they bring back Real Muto. They bring back Gregorius. They add Bradley to the bullpen. They add a lot of power arms to the bullpen. Um, but realistically, what what is a realistic goal for them this year? Playoffs. I don't know why you can't. The the, the one point I make about the Phillies that that uh, I think is important is that they finished out of the playoffs last year. They certainly had the tailspin at the end. They were disappointing, all of the above. And yet when the season was over, with the exception of center field, you, there wasn't one right everyday player that you would say, that guy's got to go. Heck, they were they were good at every position. So uh, where was second the base? From? Second Who? base? Second really? base? Second base? Segura, who are you going to get? Yeah, you know, second base? Okay. All right. You want to uh, uh, yeah, okay. second base? But I right. hear you. I hear your point. Yeah. You know, if he's your, if he's your seventh best regular, you're not, you're not in dire straits. 
But so the problem was the bullpen. I think with that, with that, everybody recognized. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you have your trust in Dombrowski, which I do, to have some ability to identify talent. He certainly remade it from top to bottom, pretty much, and uh, bringing guys that he likes. The, if that bullpen is solid, then you've got the everyday eight. Your your starting rotation above average. Would you call it above average? I call it above average. It's average. Yeah. I would say average. I, I like. I see. Like you and me disagree. C minus C plus. I, I would say C. Uh, You're the teacher here. Well, let, yeah. Let, let me let me tell you one person that I think is really on the griddle this year for this team. And obviously, the, there's the center field situation, and and Reese Hoskins is I think under a little fire and all that. But the person on the griddle to me is Aaron Nola, and I say it because. He's getting a reputation as a great April to August pitcher. And his Septembers have been so awful. And that's where kind of you make your money. And you build your ace reputation. If this guy falls apart in in, in September again, Phillies are in trouble. I couldn't agree with you more. I agree with you 100%. And, and it was specifically alarming last year. When it was only a sixty-game season, anyway, how many starts did he get? 10, 12, 11. Yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a matter of fatigue. It was a matter of the literally the calendar. Mm-hmm. That word September came up, and all of a sudden he couldn't get out of his way. In a regular season, that would have been what June or July, May. Yeah, would have yeah, been May. Yeah. <laughs> May, right? Okay, May. For whatever reason, you get this guy close to the playoff situation and he can't get out of his own way my gut feeling probably coincidence on some level but my feeling my official feeling show me show me you can pitch in september show me you can pitch one minute after august 31st well yeah you can do that yeah and and, you know you see these rankings Especially when your team only needs a win from you to get in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and you see these rankings where he's listed in the top 10 pitchers in the game. It's like, what the hell are you dreaming at this point? I mean, until you show it in September, you're not in the conversation with Strasburg and Scherzer. And- no, well, Kevin, they're going off the stats because I read a story last week that either Matt wrote or, or Lauber wrote where, like, in the last three or four years, however long he's been, he ranks in the top five in, like, Four categories. Great. You know, that's what they're going by. I mean, they're not looking at it the way you're looking at it, or, or I might look at it, but, sure. you know, that's why he they Re- say he's one of the top ten pitchers. Reputa- I'm not sure he's one of the top five pitchers in the division. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can look at – you look at the Grom, you look at uh, Syndergaard, you look at the three in, in Washington. Uh, well, Syndergaard never pitches, so, I mean, I, I, I'll give him that. Syndergaard has better stuff, but he he's never available, yep. which is a problem. Jack, if they finish eighty six wins but miss the playoffs because the Padres and the Mets are the two wild cards, is that acceptable? What a great question! Uh, uh, under this system, where obviously the division winner is going to be, yeah, you know, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say that. All right, you, you hit me with a very good question. I gave it some thought. I'll say. It's acceptable as a down payment on what Dombrowski can do in year two. Okay. This is only his first year. 
you're going to show me some some significant progress, and then tell you what, it won't it won't be acceptable next year. How is that? Uh, that's am fair. I dodging the question there? No, that's fair. I think that's I think that's fair. a realistic thing. You can finish third this year, you can win eighty six games and still miss the playoffs, and I don't think people can have the right to be too upset as long as you show progress. That's what I think. Progress, and then you know, eventually, eventually, that in the following year would be Girardi's third year and Dombrowski's second. You better get the playoffs. So yeah. I'll put the, I'll put the demand on playoffs or bust in 2022. Okay. Hey, Jack, I want I want to ask you an Eagles question before we we let you go or whatever. We, um, the, you know, the, it's come out in the last day or so that the owner has made it known he wants Jalen Hurts to be you know the guy. Um, you know, and so he probably instructing, which I guess means they're not going to take a quarterback with the sixth pick. Not to me, but how do you think? Are they proceeding the right way with Jalen? I agree. You got to figure out what you got, or would you bring a veteran in? Like I'm just throwing out a name now. I don't mean, but like a Fitzpatrick, so that if God forbid Jalen was playing like crap, you could put Fitzpatrick in there. Or, or do you think that's the right way to handle it? Is the way that Lurie's kind of instructed them to handle it? Not the right way to handle it for the owner to be making football decisions. Well, that's true too. Yeah, that's that's that to me. That's the. That's the scary part. It's like, yeah. I mean, you might say, Jack, you don't know anything about football. Fine. Well, Jeffrey, you don't know anything about football. You just don't know enough about it at that level to even have an opinion on it. It's 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 scary if he's make if if Jeffrey Laurie's making quarterback decisions around there. You got a problem. Well, and then, obviously they're going to bring in some veteran to supplement. Uh, and, 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 Jack, I mean, you've been around all these teams all these years. Whenever an owner gets involved in this city, it's bad news. It's Har- not good. Harold Katz. It's, it's, now, it's uh, it makes it really is it, it, it's a bad precedent. Yeah, I can't think of any. I liked I liked Middleton getting involved and bringing Harper in. I like that. But, uh, but you're, I didn't like Harold Katz trying out players in the driveway. I didn't like it. But, but the, I didn't, the like, Middleton thing wasn't interfering. It was signing a guy. Right. There's, there's a big yeah. difference it is. between, it is. like, what you're saying with Harold Katz. Well, you know. I you know uh, sure, sure. What was the, what was the one um, when uh, the, the, the goaltender uh, that Snyder insisted that the Flyers sign? Uh, the, the the goofy one. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Bob- Bobrovsky? No, no, no um, they traded Bobrovsky. Oh, yeah, Briskalov. Briskalov. Briskalov, yeah. That it kind of forced on them, and they ended up you know, regretting it afterwards. I mean, so yeah, they're, they're the history of this is uh, of owners meddling on the actual decisions is not good. Then again, no. he's got Howie. So I, I don't know if it could be worse. Um, <laughs> oh, they're going to shot it out. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's once a show I'm, I'm obligated. Uh, uh, maybe you don't like Howie. Maybe you do like Howie, but if you're going to give the job to Howie, then let Howie do the job. It's, and then that way you have a reason. Howie, to and you tell you, hey, Howie, here's where I want to be quarterback. Right. Jeez. And, and then that Your way you must be saying, give me a break. And, and that way you have a reason to fire Howie if it backfires. If you yeah. give Howie the expo and, and you know, look, I've been tough on Howie, but if Howie has to do the whims of Jeffrey, I can't. I can understand now why how he didn't get fired because he's doing all Jeffrey's bidding. Yeah, it's uh, it's I, an interesting. It's an interesting uh, situation that, that's developed here. If if, if Laurie's really making football decisions, which is something he never did for years, which is weird. At least we don't know of. 
Yeah. yeah. But we don't know that. You know, we don't know what he's doing okay. now. It was We just, you know. Yeah. Uh, Jack McCaffrey. That's the scary part. <laughs> Jack, Jack McCaffrey of the Delco Times, who will be at the Flyers tonight in Indianapolis this weekend. Correct, Jack? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to the Big Ten tournament. It's going to be fun. Hey, hey Jack. Good, all seriousness, good luck to the uh, Hawkeyes. Uh, good, give it the old college try, Mike. Thanks. Well, you know what? You, you don't maybe get teams like this a lot. You don't ever. It's a rare you know, so here. yeah. So I mean, you know, I mean, maybe. Hey, look, maybe they can make a long run. You know, somebody's going to. Why not them? Well, somebody's going to win six games and win the tournament, Mike. I think that's the way it does work. Yes, no, I like <laughs> I like the way you're thinking. Let's go for it. But even if you win, you know, three games and you're playing in the final eight, you know, hell. Most teams would take that, you know, and then see what happens from there. Let's take – I'm in for the ride. You're thanks, in for the guys. ride? All right, Jack. Thanks a lot, Jack Thank McCaffrey, joining us thanks, here man. on Work on the Beat. We'll Thank be back you. right after these messages. Our thanks to Jack McCaffrey for joining us. Touched a little bit of everything, which is always what's good. I, I enjoy guys who can touch – and, and, and comment on a lot of different things going on. Well, that's who Jack is. I yeah. mean, that Jack's made a career out of being that guy that isn't a hockey guy. He's not a basketball guy. He's pretty much does everything. And, you know, that's good. I mean, you, you and I, I mean, you've done, look, we've both done a lot too, but I mean, yeah. I'd be the first to admit hockey's not my strong suit. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to sit here and try to lie to people. I, I can certainly talk about it and make it. But, you know, I think Jack is versed in this town. He's about as versed as you can get yeah. across the board. Yeah. There might be people that know more football or know more this or know more that. But across the board, Jack, you know, you, you, you'd have to really – I'd have to think about that. I'm sure there's a couple people at the Inky that I could come up with. Um, But across the board, he, he, you know, he's, and, and the thing about Jack is he's always going to tell you what he thinks. That's right. <laughs> Whether you agree with it, whether you don't agree, yeah, whatever. He's 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 not going to back down from that. So, yep. Uh, I I'm going to run and actually I have to do something for a second. But I, you know, I want to set you up and I want you to filibuster. It'll only be a minute or two, okay? So I need you to filibuster on this question, Michael. Okay. Well, well, why can't we? Okay, go ahead. Well, no, 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 no. It's a question simply of where do you think you mentioned the Eagles to Jack? Okay. Where do you think this impression why why do you think this idea that Jeff Lurie is meddling so much and, and why he maybe has done this as much, has become more vocal about the state of the franchise going forward? Okay, now okay. you want me to fill up. I, no, are no. you going to are you going to step away? I am stepping away for just Well, well I'm going to wait till you come back. Okay, so and put, I, put the pause button. Put the pause button. Okay, all right. Answer that, and then you can answer my answer. Okay, all right. Hold on. Okay. Okay. There we go. We're so, back. Um, I think yeah, I could be wrong, okay? Because obviously, I'm not covering the Eagles every day. I'm not down there. Yeah, I, I I rely on what people report or what people say. I think some of this goes back to the Super Bowl. I re- I really do, and even what happened with Chip. You know, they went out. They took a shot on Chip. He gave Chip all the power. Then a year later, he says, I screwed up. Whatever. Um, And I think when you win a Super Bowl as an organization that has been trying to win a Super Bowl for a long time and does, especially in the way they did it, Mm -hmm. 
But no matter how they had done it, if, if Carson Wentz had not gotten hurt and had just played and they wanted whatever, you you start to think of yourselves as as geniuses. And I'm not saying they're not. Like, I, you know, it's easy for us to sit here and criticize every move that they make that doesn't work. But they made a lot of moves that did work. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, and you know, he he has over the 25 or 27 years he's owned the team, they have had a lot more success than they have that they've had failure. Fair, fair point. Give them that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he hired Andy Reid. Andy Reid had the that was the best year of football you know the Eagles have ever seen. They didn't win a Super Bowl. Okay, I get it. Um, and it didn't end as well maybe as it could have. But that that those things happen. But what's happened in the last couple of years, you, you start, and again, we don't know because we, you know, it intrigues me that Jeffrey Lurie could have been the guy to draft at Whiteside. Mm-hmm. I don't know this, but, you know, or he could have been the guy to draft at Hertz. And Hertz may turn out to be a good player, but at the time we all sat there and go, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to Carson? Why, 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 why would you even put into the events that happened last year but trigger them? Um, and then you hear things like that. And then, you know, we'll blame Howie because it's Howie's got his name on it. It's mm-hmm. his draft. Yep. It's his whatever. But yeah, it's, it's just, and, and we think we've always made fun of Jerry Jones, right? That's what we do. We make fun of Jerry Jones. Uh-huh. He does have three Super Bowls, by the way, but they were a long time ago. You don't want your owner to be that guy. At least I don't think, but he's the owner. Yeah. So what are you going to do? What you what you do is you end up stuck with this, and, and you yeah, know that is right. And, and I would just like, I would love to know why he's suddenly now putting his fingers in the pot. But we're assuming that Kevin, I mean, because of some of the reports, right? Yeah, you know, we don't know that for a fact. But we never had those reports before. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, but but they never had a stretch like this before either. Like, I, I wonder, I, I, you know, like, look, and this is based on pure speculation on my part. I wonder, since Jeffrey is now 70, I wonder if Jeff wants to get one more ring and understand that he may be close to a time when he may have to sell the team. You know, well, how, Steve, old's, how old's Jerry? 77, but Jerry has Steven. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I got you. I don't think those guys ever think they're going to go get old. That, that that's just my opinion. Like if you look at Jeffrey, he he looks like he's in pretty good. Whatever. Oh yeah, but I I also think if you're him, look, Jerry got his wealth from oil, and Jerry with building and all that. Okay, where did Jeffrey get his money? He got his money from his family, who own movie theaters. I mean, yeah, but it doesn't matter how you get your wealth, Kevin. Well, no, what, but if the, you're the, also looking at okay, I could if you're looking at it that. I have an X amount of window, okay? And then what happens? Like, uh, you know, I know yeah, Jeff has a son. Uh, is he guaranteed? I'm not sure if he's active in, in in what the ownership group is or, you know. But decisions. we never hear his name, so right. I, I would assume. Yeah, but but I don't think, like, so So what's the point? I mean, so he, he the, the franchise is worth billions, and he bought it for whatever. The competitor in him, or, I think, wants to get another one quick. Every owner wants to get another one. With the idea he, that, hey, look, I may have to do some things here for financial reasons, you know, with with the estate taxes and all that. Um, that may force him to... to I, I'm speculating. I, I, it's a I, pure I speculation. I think you're overanalyzing the situation. I He's could rich. be. Oh, he's, he's rich. rich. 
I don't think he's worried about his tax obligations or how much money he's going to leave or, you know, his his great, 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 great grandkids are never going to have to worry about anything, I'm assuming. So I think he's a competitor more than anything. Mm -hmm. He wants, you know, he was always the guy that wanted to walk in that owner's room with a ring on his finger. They all do. Yeah, what you want to do. The, The guy in Atlanta, I'm sure Arthur Blank would love to be able, you know, if they hadn't blown the twenty-eight to three lead, you know, walk into the owners' room because then you're one of the one of those guys. Yeah, you know, you're cra- you're not Kraft because Kraft's got six, but you're one of those guys, and he's one of those guys now. So you know, it's like it's like win, winning the Masters. You're you're always going to go to the Champions Dinner. You know, Tiger may have five, and you may only have one, but you're still in the room with Tiger. So. Um, yeah, I, I, but I, this notion that somehow he knows football is just disturbing to me. Yeah, it's this is why you hire people. You hire Howie because you think Howie is competent enough to do the job, and then it's Howie's job to go out and hire people that are going to work under him. Um, and, and I get it. If the owner wants to hire the coach, that's his prerogative. He's the owner once again, but at some point. I and the last time when we heard him talk, that was so disturbing. It was. I mean, and I've heard Jeffrey talk before, so I'm not saying it totally shocked me, but it, you know what it reminded me of, Kevin? It was almost like a guy who's getting old, not senile, I don't mean it that way, but was just kind of rambling. Yep. And was almost trying to tell you. I'm better than you. I'm higher. Yeah, you know, I, I will figure this out. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm the smart. And okay, well, that that's fine. And maybe Nick Sirianni's going to work out. And maybe Jalen Hurts is going to work out. Or maybe the quarterback after Jalen Hurts is going to. I don't know what's going to happen. But all I know is, for a team that won a Super Bowl, and they're not the first team that this has ever happened to. No. So I'm not going to see her just. Say, but to be where they were four years ago and to be throwing it in your face. About how you know what they were and all that to be at this point, like yeah. really, yeah. Um, you know, nobody thinks they're going to be good next year. Now we could be wrong about that. I mean, their division stinks, but but I mean, no, nobody thinks they're going to be a Super Bowl contender next year. Maybe not even the year after that. Like we we don't know how long because now you're in another process. Yeah, you, are. you know, maybe not like the Sixers process, but. You know, the Phillies have been going through a process for almost a decade. Um, the Flyers went through their process for almost a decade. Yeah. I mean, that this. You know, in the NFL, I don't wait a decade. What's that? No. And you were. What's that? You, you. No, you were breaking up there for a second. But yeah, I mean, and that's the, that's the danger of this whole thing that, you know, you, you don't know how long the process is going to take, and I think that's where um, that's what's going. But to who's be- going to tell Jeff? Nobody. Like who is going to walk in? Probably the only person that could is Howie. Howie. I mean, I hate to say, but Howie and him, and I'm not saying him, but Howie's probably the only person that could walk into a room with Jeff and say, "Jeff, look, look you know, I know, you know, you're, I think you're just kind of like overstepping your bounds a little here. You got." And I don't think Howie's going to do that. Between or, Howie and Joe. Nobody else. You know, uh, Joe Banner could probably. Who's that? Joe Banner. But Joe Banner's not there. Right. Um, I don't think any other guy. I, I, Mike, Mike, you're. Br- I mean. 
Like you're breaking up. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you what. I'm going to pause and we're going to reconnect on a on uh, in a minute. All right. Hopefully, our technical issues have been resolved. Um, but yeah, you're right. Nobody can go in and tell Jeff that. I mean, nobody can go in and tell John Middleton. And and I guess John's situation. I mean, yeah, you know, who's going to go in and tell? I don't even you know any owner. You know, when Ed Snyder was running the show, who was going to tell Ed what to do? I mean, really, you know, and, and I don't know how many decisions Ed made through the years or, or if he just left it up to his GMs or, you know, like you guys uh, were saying about the goalie, you know, yeah. that, that got that Ed kind of said, let's get this guy. But, you know, that's an owner's prerogative. I mean, maybe all owners do that to some degree. I don't know. Yeah. But And, and if, if the decisions the Eagles had made the last couple of years, let's say Whiteside had worked out. Let's say – um. Um, re, uh, the guy, the receiver they took this year was better than Jefferson. Let's just say for the sake of argument. Let's Rager. say that Jalen Hurts had come in and, and Carson Wentz and it hadn't ruined Carson Wentz. If that was the reason Carson Wentz got ruined, right? You know all these things. Let's let's say um, you know we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. No, but because things have went miserably wrong, we're having this conversation. Yep. Um, before we go. Uh, I want to I want to pass condolences along to the family of Real Cormier, um, former Phillies pitcher who died of a pancreatic cancer yesterday at fifty three. I got the I got the cover of Frenchie when he was here in two thousand two thousand three two thousand four two thousand five and two thousand six. I think I think six was when he was traded. So he just missed the the, the yeah. playoff runs and stuff. Yeah, and. and Cormier was fascinating because he he was a he had such a great attitude towards the sport and playing it and he worked hard and he was just a really good guy. Um and I remember back in 03, he got booed on opening day. I mean he was they they had Why? They, well they had they had lost some games on the road. I think they started in Florida. And they had lost right. some games on the road, and he came out and you know how they introduced everybody on at the home opener, and he got booed, and it was pretty merciless. And, right. and he didn't bitch and moan and cry and complain. He went back to work, and by the end of that year, if you remember, it was the final year at the vet. He was maybe their best reliever. Uh, you know, Jose Mesa had kind of imploded the club at kind of imploded down the stretch. But he was their best reliever, and he was called on in some critical spots as they were trying to stay alive for the playoff race. Um, yeah. And, and he did it. He was always approachable, very talk, uh, you know, good guy to talk to. So I, I want to say, uh, you know, and again, 53 is just way too young. Um, you think? Yeah. I think 63 is way too young. Yeah. So uh, actually, I'm starting to think 73 is way too young. So yeah. our condolences to to the Cormier family. Um, as I want to make sure we uh, said that before yeah. we before Pan- we went. pancreatic cancer, I think is one of the worst ones you can get. It is, yeah. You know, it's not. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing I want to say is sure. Kevin, and, and like I said, I have not followed. Go Dragons! You know. Um, <laughs> Drexel hasn't been in the tournament, I believe, since um, um, like 96, 97, yeah. um, when they had um, – what, what's the player's name I'm forgetting about? Um, the 6'7". Uh, Malik, Malik, um, Malik Rose. Right. Malik Rose, who and I covered that team. 
Uh, I, I that was Bill Harrion's years, right? Bill Harrion, yeah, and, and they won a game the one year in the tournament. They beat Louisville, I believe, uh, in 96 or 97. They haven't been there in twenty, you know, almost a quarter of a century. And this team wasn't very good. For most, I mean, let's put it this way. They weren't, you know, on anybody's radar. And um, the coach who's been there, I think it's his fifth fourth year. year. Fifth year. Fifth year, okay. And, and yeah, I'm sure, and the AD's leaving, and I'm sure there was some talk like, yeah, you know, we might have to, whatever. Good for them. I mean, and this is what March is about. Yeah. They ain't winning the NCAA tournament, but they They, they may be in the first four. Something. They, right. could, they could easily be in the first four, but hey, they it doesn't do, matter. Just to have your name, well, they, I mean, for Drexel University, if they win this game, is as big as like it is for a Villanova like to get to a Final Four. Yeah, it really is because they've just been excluded for so long, and you know, good for them. And I couldn't name one player on the team. Probably, um, I've been trying to follow a little bit along in the tournament, and yeah, you know, it's just hey, you know what? I I hope so badly they get in because I just think it would be great for them. It, it you know, and the whole Drexel community over there. Uh, and they don't get a whole lot of pub, and in you know, and and God, Bruiser got so close a couple times, um, and just couldn't quite get over the hump. The one year he probably got screwed and should have got in, but yeah, go Drexel, you know, go go. I mean, anybody who's a right. basketball fan in Philadelphia should be rooting like hell for Drexel today. Well, I'm a Drexel alum, I should point out. And, there you are. Okay. And, uh, but if you're a LaSalle person or a Temple person or St. Joe, because you got no axe in the fight, you know, the direction ain't taking anything away from you. No. You know, let's get them in. And, and then this way we'll have two teams in the NCAA field. And, you know, the, the it, it's a program, you're right, that's always kind of flown under the radar because it's not the big five. Uh, you know, it literally it never is, has been, never will be. Right. It, it's literally. It's literally down the street from the Big Five, but it's not the Big Five. And um, well, it's connected to Penn. I mean, they're right yeah. across. The campuses literally touch each other. Yeah, they share Chestnut Chestnut Street. Uh, yeah. I mean, one of the great things I always thought, like I said, I'm going back to when I cut was when Drexel used to walk to the Plustra. Yeah, for the game. Yeah, uh, Bruiser would have his team walk. You know, down you know four blocks. I guess it was three blocks, whatever it was. I thought that was the coolest from the DAC. You know, in, in college sports. Yeah. That was almost like when, when Dumpf would have his team ride ride the subway or the L. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. And and that that comes from people who grew up here and understand it and know what it means. And, you know, Brew's a Philly lifer. Yeah. Dumpf's a Philly lifer. And, and I think you get that from – that's why I think people like Phil Martelli and Jay Wright and guys who've been in this city their whole lives or the suburbs, you know, whatever – it's just there's a, there's kind of a, a different bond there, and I'm not saying guys can't come from out. You, you know the the Drexel coach uh, Spiker, uh, he's not from around here. I don't believe. No, he was uh, at Army before this, right? Right, but yeah, but I mean, and some guys get it and some don't. And and I dealt with him a little bit. I, I think, but the the people from the city get it in a different way, you know. And I'm not saying people that aren't from the city can't succeed or don't or can't become one of us. I don't I don't mean it that way. Right. Um but the people who it's what it's kind of in their blood, you know, in their DNA, um you know, the Jimmy Lynams of the world and all, you know, people like it's well, it, you, you can feel it. And, and, and you know, the one thing like over the years like 
the coaches we've had around here between Phil and Dunf and Speedy and Jay and um, who am I missing? John, obviously. Um, you know, part of that, part of the reason I think we in the media liked them was the fact that they got it. A lot of them got it. There's been very few that didn't get it around here. I know you've mentioned one on the show in the past. There's only one. There's only one that I can remember. Glenn Miller. In all my years, and that was Glenn Miller. And he, and and he, so, if out of my forty years or thirty five, whatever the hell it was, of covering this stuff, there was been one guy. That's pretty well, good. Um, would pretty you, good uh, would, ratio. Would you say? Well, let, let me let me throw to, throw another name out there. You know, Lapis got a, a bad rap. I don't think. I think Steve got it. You know, I don't think it was Steve's fault, though. I think what happened with Villanova, um, uh, I'm trying, how, how can I put this? I think Steve, look, th- this is the story. The story is that Steve got offered the job, I guess, or whatever, and Raleigh was mad at him because Raleigh thought he, that Steve should have come to Raleigh and said, is it okay if I take this job, because Raleigh had left Villanova, you know, under not the greatest circumstances. Right. Well, when Raleigh went to UNLV, he got run out of town in two years because he never asked Tarkanian. Right. The same thing, so the same thing he was accusing Lapis of, and I thought Steve was always kind of behind the eight ball there. And I thought Steve actually was a good choice for the job at the time. And and he came up a little short. They came up look, they came up short in March. He had some talented teams. He got the bad call to one year against Miami that probably cost him an NCAA spot. And then, you know, and then then he was gone. But uh, I don't think any of us who covered Steve, though, ever thought that Steve didn't get it or Steve. I don't think that was ever any part of the problem. Um, I just think the guy, Glenn Miller, just he was a he was the wrong choice. He was just the wrong choice because the right choice would have been Fran O'Hanlon. Right. Um, and but it didn't happen. So hey, look, it didn't happen. That's life. But all the coaches I've ever dealt with in this city, um, you know, even Raleigh. I mean, Raleigh had that hard edge about him. I, I know, and he was, but like, I I can't remember any. I think I mean, who didn't get it? Jimmy Boyle. Jimmy no, Boyle, Jimmy Boyle got, got, got it. Telly. John Fran. Griffin. John Griffin got it. Yeah. John Griffin. John Cheney. I mean, yeah. did any, you know? I mean, on and on. I, I mean, I can't. Think of people, Bill Hurrying, and Bill Hurrying, I don't think was one of us, right? No. But Bill got it. Bill Bill was a great guy. Eddie Burke, before that, Eddie was such a great guy. I mean, um, there's been more examples of ADs who didn't get it here than coaches. There's been a few. Yeah, because I don't think, I think the ADs have tended maybe not always to come from here. No. And again, I'm not saying that's a prerequisite. I don't mean that you can't succeed in Philadelphia if you're not a Philadelphian. I don't mean to put it that way, but I think the basketball community here in particular is so um, tied in with each other. I, 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 I'm, I'm finding the wrong words. But even like at Temple with football, when I saw what Matt Rule meant, Matt Rule got it. Yeah, he did. Okay, now he wasn't one of us per se. You know, he's from Penn State. I think that's where he was basically from. Um, yeah, Center Valley. I, yeah, I even thought Al Golden got it. I, I, I really did. Steve didn't. Steve Adazio didn't. I, I don't know this guy well enough. Right? I'm not sure I, the I, guy I, after I, Rule got it either, the one who went to Georgia Tech. Well, he was only here two years. Right. I mean, this was a stopover. Well, yeah, I, from everything I heard about Jeff Collins, P. 
people seem to like him. The people that covered the team on a regular basis, because I was basically gone by then. Um, so I can't knock Jeff Collins because I what yeah. But Matt Rule, he got Philadelphia. Yeah, he, he totally got Philadelphia. Um, and I think we've been lucky that way. I think we've been blessed. I mean, look, if anybody has their right, a right to stick their head up in the air and say I'm better than you, it's Jay Wright. Right. Okay. Jay could be that person. He's not even close to being that person. No. And that's what I think I maybe I always admired most about Jay was that he didn't sit there and think he was the high and almighty. And I think sometimes that was the knock on Raleigh. Um, oh, Raleigh. Was it he, yeah, Raleigh thought he was. Well, he thought that Villanova was above. And, and at the time, Villanova really wasn't that much above Temple. You know, because Cheney was kind of starting to do his thing. And, and um, you know, by the end of But he had the national title. You can't deny that. You, yeah. you can't. You know, it's forever, and Jay's got two of them. Yeah. So I mean, you know, and it's and, funny. It's funny you mention that because we're coming up on the five-year anniversary of that title. The first one, of the first one in Houston. Yeah, it boy, time flies, doesn't it, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, it does. And again, if they don't, if for whatever godforsaken reason they don't make it past the second round this year, which I don't know, you know, if they're playing with no point guard, you know, I mean, I don't know who they're going to play in the second round. It could be like a four-five game, you know. Um, but since 2009, they will have only made it past the second round twice, and both times they won the national title. Yeah, do you know how ball. hard that is to do, especially when you've been a one seed or a two seed like five or six times in that span? Yeah. I, you, you couldn't make that up. If you wrote that as a story, everybody would tell you, ah, oh, come on, Kevin. No, you can't. That doesn't make any sense. And I remember saying that to Jay once a couple of years ago, and he just said, he goes, yeah. He goes, it, it doesn't make any sense. It, but they've got two national – like I said, I don't care if Jay Wright ever gets past the second round again. He'll, he'll, build, he'll go into the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and if the Hall of Fame has any sense of right and wrong, if Raleigh is going to get in, he should get in with Jay. Now, if Raleigh's not going to get in, okay, fine. I can't do anything about that. I'm not a vote, but if they think that Rowie should be in, to me, you put Jay and Rowie in the same year, it would mean so much to, I think, Jay. I, I know it would mean everything to Jay. And I think it would mean a lot to Rowie's family, too. Yeah. I, really, I really do. And how many schools get to do that? Not a lot. I don't know if any. I no. mean, have you ever heard of, like, John Chaney didn't go in with Harry Litwack? No. Um, you know, Fog Allen didn't go, didn't go in with uh, Roy Williams, Roy Williams, or Larry or Brown. Yeah, Larry Brown. Yeah, I mean, you know, so that that would be pretty cool. Um, probably won't happen because probably nobody thinks like that. But um, yeah, Jay, Jay Jay's going to be in there soon. Yep. I mean, you know, you know how that works. Yeah. Uh, I should point out I, this week is my favorite week of the year. Um, I love the championship week. Um, and obviously last year we didn't have it because of, uh, of the pandemic, um, which started this time last year. Um, but I love this week and next week are the two best weeks of the year. For I like next week better only because I was always covering a tournament. You know, I was always covering the Big East or the, or the Atlantic 10 or something, right? And we were always somewhere. And I really wasn't paying attention to the rest of the, of the you know, what was going on. Um, 
you know, so I didn't know if like the six seed, like like a Drexel story, for instance, right. like around the country. Do you think Drexel playing Elon? No, and I, it, I, I hate saying, but that's what this week is about, isn't it? Though, yeah, I hate saying this. Uh, part of the reason I think the CAA is not going to get the attention that it would normally get is it's not on ESPN tonight. Um, what, what is it on? CBS Sports Network. Our buddy Tom McCarthy is doing the game. Okay. Um, okay. I got you. Which, which is fine, except it's not going to have the carry that normal. Yeah. That an ESPN title game. Would yeah. And and you know most people will probably be rooting for Elon if you have no rooting interest. Yeah. Only because they're the eight seed and they've won. You know they, they had. You know yeah. I get that. I'm wondering the last title but, game um, between the six and I, an eight I, was. Last time, what Kevin? A six and an eight seed met up in a conference title game. I'm sure it's it. It's happened. I remember one year the, the, the SEC got real. Remember the year the roof yeah. blew off? Yeah. And George, Georgia was like a real low seed. Mississippi State. Sure who, yeah, th- that, that might have been like close to that. But six and eight is hard. Yeah, it is. Because you know, six and eight, yeah. I mean, that's. It's other sides of the bracket, obviously, but it's still pretty hard. Um, I mean, the only thing, that, obviously, the only thing that could be more is if you got seven or eight or if you had a, a league that had more than. You know, if you if you got a 10, 11 or something like that, but that that's not going to happen. I mean, you know, six and eight is about as deep as you're going to. I'm guessing you're going to get. And ne- like next week, I mean, like I said, this whole year is so whack to me and everything. It, it's I just don't think it's going to be quite what it usually is because, like Jack was saying, you know, you go to eight different sites and there's crowds and they're pulling for the underdogs and all the things that go into that, and Gonzaga might get to play close to home, or Villanova might get right. to play relatively close to home, or on and on. And you're not going to have that this year. I don't know if that's going to mean more upsets, less upsets. But to me, I always enjoyed the first weekend because you knew a couple big teams weren't going to make it through. Yeah, you know, because then the chalk starts to take over a little bit. You know, the further you go in the tournament, usually. You know, the well, better teams the, figure the, it out. The NCAA tournament is the one event in sports where the beginning is much better than the ending, usually. Well, the end can be good. Oh, it can I mean, be good. You know, like, like I'll tell you what. I think we lost sight of it because we were there. That 16 Final Four was pretty good. I mean... The, the championship game was really good. Yeah, but but what I'm saying is the 18 one wasn't good. I, I don't think. I mean, no. Villanova kind of... You're, and you're right, the, the one semifinal. But but think about that. We had Syracuse. You had, so you had Jim Beheim getting there as a, as a, an eight seed, I think that year. Yeah, Lon Kruger, okay. Lon Kruger with Oklahoma. Lon Kruger, and it, so they had beaten Villanova, and they were they had Buddy Heald, who might have been a player of the year that year, right? Yeah. Okay, and you know you had this Villanova team. I mean, I'm not going to say it's the greatest Final Four that was ever played, but I'm just saying. Oh, I'm that was you. pretty good. I mean, you had a you had a one. Villanova was a two, I think, that year, right? They, they, yeah. yeah, they were two. And Oklahoma was a two. Oklahoma was they a beat, two. They and, beat Oregon. And, and which McCall was a seven or an eight. Yeah, right. Sorry. But the fact that Jim Beheim had a team there was, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like VCU got there as the eight seed, you and, know? And so you had Beheim playing Roy. But yeah, but the two semifinals were not good. No, I mean, they weren't. No, they weren't. But the championship no, right. game might be the best championship game. Short of, uh, I would say, short of maybe NC State. Uh, I've Houston. always said that NC State was the was the biggest upset. I don't necessarily think it was the best game, but like if you're going to say to me what was the biggest upset in a final game, uh, that's NC State. 
NC State and Villanova's two. To, to me, they're, they're, they're the two I would think and can, of. And Kansas over Oklahoma, probably third. Yeah, but they had Danny Manning. I mean, yeah. I get it. They but they they were they were Kansas and it was Danny Manning. I mean, it was but, NC State shouldn't have even been in the tournament. But, but and it, Villanova was an eight seed. But if you're thinking championship games, Carolina Georgetown in '82. Yeah, that was. I'm I'm trying to think. Um, the Fred Brown pass. Yeah, I know. I know that one. I'm just trying to think. The, the the one with Seton Hall, Michigan in '89, that was although it ended good. on two free throws, that was pretty good. The Ramil Robinson that was game, pretty good. Um, I tell you, the, the one that would have went down is the all timers if the Butler shot had gone down. Damn, and that was that was an in ugly game, but that was a pretty good game. It was a good game, but but if that shot go, goes in the basket, it, it's not. Chris Jenkins is is going to be second. But you're right. I mean, the Chris Jenkins, I guess, because we were there. Maybe you tend to that. Like I've always said, the Christian Leitner game at the Spectrum was a better game. Like if you ask me to pick one, I'm taking the Duke Kentucky game. I agree because of everything that was involved. There's two storylines with Kentucky and Duke. The players involved. Leitner ten for ten, ten for ten. Not defending the pass. You know, it should have been teed wood, out. The <laughs> the wood shot that went in with two seconds to right. go to give them the lead. So, yeah, but Chris Jenkins won a national title. But the thing I will say to people is, I'm not trying to demean it, in any, but if Chris misses the shot, they're going overtime. They're going to overtime. And they're probably going to lose. Late, what's that? They probably lose the game if they go to overtime. Well, North Carolina would have had the momentum for sure. But if Christian Leitner's shot doesn't win, Duke's done. Yeah. They're going, they're, they're going home. And I think there's a big difference there. And, and again, Chris Jenkins' shot will, will, will live forever. Uh, there's yeah, there's no getting around that, but to me, the Leitner, the Kentucky, and the other game was the 74 NC State-Maryland game where they went to, I think it was double overtime there, and the loser did not go to the NCAA tournament, tournament. because that was the last year. That's why they changed the rule, and, and there was like seven pros on the court. Um, Jim McMillan, Len Elmore, uh, you know, uh, David Thompson. I mean, it, it was it was nuts. Um and and like I said, it was it was only the ACC final. It wasn't, but you know that game. And and if, I think a game that gets overlooked sometimes is when Texas Western beat Kentucky in 1966. Yeah. And I don't know if it was a great game. I think Texas Western won by seven. Um, but obviously the historical significance of that game. What that you can't really put a price on. Right. I mean, what what year was the Mario Chalmers? Um, I was 2008 because it was Bill Self. As I always say, Bill Self only has one national title, and he got it because John Calipari screwed up at the end, but and then they John, John Calipari would have two instead of one. Right, and Memphis couldn't have free throws to save their life. Yeah, but you can't let the guy take the three. No, I mean, he can't. It was, it was Dick Girardi's pet peeve for years and years and years and years is people were afraid to foul the guy because they were afraid that oh, the guy was going to make play. the first free throw Missed the second on purpose. Somehow get the rebound, put it in. Maybe you get fouled. You know, got got and and the, the rationale, I guess, was if he makes a three, the worst we're going to do is go to overtime. Dick's like, no, you don't want Mario Chalmers shooting that. If if you can foul, I mean, if you're in a position to foul him, even if you send them to the line to shoot two, you know, take your chances. I mean, you know, if 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 another team can pull all that stuff off, then you probably shouldn't have won in the first place. So, but you know. But yeah, I mean, every time Dick watched the game and that and that happened, and a team took a three and made it, 
Dick would go nuts. He would just absolutely go nuts if it tied the game and sent it to overtime. And it's, you know, but the impact of the Jenkins shot, the first image now when CBS starts their, their NCAA coverage is Jenkins with his arms outstretched in the confetti. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and as well it should be. I yeah. mean, it's the enduring – he's the only guy I know of. Could I, I, I could have this wrong. Well, I know there was a guy in – um. Oh, God, the 61 or 62, 63 national championship when Loyola beat, I believe it was Cincinnati. Right. And went to overtime. Guy tipped the ball in at the buzzer in, in overtime to win the game. I think it was a tie game, and he tipped it in to give them the win. So he won the game at the end. The only other time Lorenzo that comes Charles. to mind is Jenkins. Lorenzo Charles. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry, Kevin. You are absolutely right. And and that wasn't a shot. I mean, that was, was a, a great back. play. I mean, yeah, it was a, a putback. Yeah, I mean, well, he grabbed it out of air. Yeah, I mean, it was—it never hit anything. No, and I remember Elijah Wan said the reason why he didn't go up and try to do anything because he thought he was going to get called for goaltending. Um, so he didn't jump. He didn't really jump, and then Charles went up, grabs it, and he flings it. But Jenkins hit a twenty-five foot shot that they had to come the length of the court in four point six, and Arch makes the pass to him. And I'll never forget this, Kevin. The, the year after, I, I did a story on looking back at the shot. Yeah. You know, whatever. And Art said, he goes, I wanted to take that shot so bad. He goes, the last thing I wanted to do was pass the ball. And the thing was, like, it's strange. Chris Jenkins had a hell of a career. He did. Sure he did. But I remember thinking, and you and I talked about this in seventeen. He was almost uncomfortable with all the attention that came with the shot. He was so uncomfortable because, and I felt so sorry for him. Because if you remember in the the year they won the championship, yeah. Chris Jenkins was always like that guy we were kind of waiting for. Happy go lucky. But what? But when's he going to start making a shot? Well, he started making a shot in the game. middle of that season, the middle of the Big East right. season. And then he had games where he carried them. I mean, he'd hit like six in three minutes. He had a shot against Miami and Louisville, which was in the Sweet 16, from half court before halftime. That was See, I awful. Forget, I don't remember that. I that was awfully similar. He hit one from like 30 feet. I, I, I Yeah, but I don't. Rem I know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I just remember one game during the regular season at home. So it, it was at the field. It was a Villanova. He hit like four or five in like three minutes. To break open a game. And, and I'm just sitting there. And every time he let it go, you thought it was going in. Yeah. And then he came back the next year. And I think for whatever reasons, he just felt like he had to live up to that moment. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. You don't have to live up to anything. That's your moment forever and ever and ever and ever. And the other thing he did that championship season, he played defense. Yeah. Like he did the other things. He rebounded. He played defense. But I think Chris was one of those guys that if the shot wasn't going, it really affected him because he was a shooter. I mean, that's that's what he did. It was kind of like Stokes. And when Stokes was there, or, you know, five years before him, four years before him, he was a shooter. And when that's we got the Buffalo that year, which was the first round, or the first two rounds, and they played, that's when they lost to Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And the first day there, when he was just peppered with questions from the national media and everything about the shot, what it's been like a year later, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And you just saw his face and you're like, Oh yep. God, it, it was, yeah, like, he did. He wanted no part. He wanted that. no part of it. No, I remember Kevin, we, cause we would go over on media availability sometimes 
I don't know if it was at the start of the year or or, or during the year or like before. And, and he he just and and I respected him for that. I, I in fact I, I felt weird when people asked him questions about it. Yeah, I, re- I really did. But you know we had to. I mean somebody had to. But it wasn't fair. It, no. it just wasn't fair at all. And but but they don't win the champ. And I don't mean because of the last shot. I don't mean that they don't win the championship without him. No, they just don't. Um, because there were moments, and I just remember all during the second half of that year, that every time he shot the ball, I thought it was going in. Yeah. Um, and when you have a guy like that on your team. And then you have Josh Hart playing with them, and you have Archie Diakono playing with them, and you have, you know, Chefu had a really good senior season. Um, and then you had Booth and and Brunson, a young Brunson and a young Bridges. I mean, geez, that, that I mean, that was to me that was like the missing piece. And, and, that was, and you know, and Mike, I, I people have asked me what like you know, it's funny when you're around kids. Last year when I was te- you know with the teaching. What's the best event you ever covered? And everybody, I think, expects that oh, the Phillies going winning the World Series or whatever. Mm-hmm. There are two events that stand out: Roy Halladay's no playoff no hitter, mm-hmm. which has only happened one other time in history. You know, and right. that was Don Larson and Chris Jenkins. It's like one in one a. I mean, you know, it depends on your mood of the day. I would say though, historically. The Jenkins shot is way more is more significant. Well, when people ask me like, "What was the best thing you ever covered?" I, I always say Duke, Kentucky. Yeah. I, it, it just, yeah, I guess you have to understand. It's kind of like trying to understand the Ali Frazier fight fifty years later. It wasn't just a prize fight. It was, you know, it was it was the Uncle Tom against the the, the guy who the draft dodger. We all hated Ali. You know, white people hated Ali because he stood for so, you know, Joe Frazier was the you know the Philadelphia guy. So, in the context of what that was, it was probably the greatest sporting event maybe ever. Right. When you really think about it. To me, the Duke-Kentucky was just all the elements that came together that night at the Spectrum. But the best thing, the the, the most enjoyable thing, I I tend to agree with you, and I didn't cover the Phillies, obviously, so I don't have that reference point. But when I covered Villanova's football team winning the title in 2009, Mm -hmm. it was so... And it was me, Terry Tui, and Keith Pompey were there. It was such a joyous night. Chattanooga? Whole, Chattanooga, the whole after party that night, being with Dean Kenneth, going back to the hotel and the park. And then, then again, the 16. But what I remember about the 16 is us sitting there with Jay like two hours after the game. Back, You were back there, right? Or were you writing? I was. I, I wrote from the thing. And then my boss had pretty much said we were, you know, we were using the hot, what we called the hot lead, which was basically my column. I didn't update quotes. I was doing a second day. So I ended up coming back. Were you in the back with us? Yeah, I did. Okay. So it was me, you, Neil Hartman, Joe, Terry, I'm guessing, whoever wasn't right, I guess. And we're just sitting there talking to Jay for like a half hour. Yep. And it was tremendous. We were trying to get a, uh, we were trying to get another national person who was around who kept asking question after question. Well, that's okay. Yeah, it, that's that's near here. But those moments to me was like because it was like Jay was talking with his buddies, mm-hmm. you know, his guys, um, and you know Jay has national guys. You know, yeah, everybody does. wanted to be Jay's guy. Um, but we were just sitting there. And he was being honest with us. He was getting, I don't know if, I guess we were trying to get a next day story or whatever. Yeah, I had to get a next day story. But it was just, those are the, that's what I will take 
from that game was that, and then finally, Mike, Mike Sheridan looks at us and says, "Guys, we got to go. We got to go." And and Jay wanted to keep talking. You know, Jay. It was like John Cheney. He didn't want. You know, Jay just wanted, if John Cheney had ever won a national championship, or maybe even just got that. John Cheney might have talked for five days. They 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 might never have ended it. I was um, so I was so thankful that next morning I had the three o'clock flight as opposed to you guys who got on the oh, flight. Oh man, for, no, I, no, oh, we were on that goodness. dumb. Oh my God! It was, uh, and Joe won't stop at the Jack in the Box. Well, I, uh, yeah, was, we've told that one before. So, <laughs> I mean, come on, Joe, you're my best friend, dude. They, they, it's right there. Well, you know, we're too, we weren't rushing to catch a plane. It yeah. wasn't like we. <laughs> Jesus. So, God. so you admit it. You watched, by the way, on a totally different topic. You watched Megan and, and Harry the other night. Well, my wife. Look, yeah, I did. I too. control. I control the TV for the most part. You know, I got the clicker. I'll say, hey, what do you want to watch? You know. Because we're watching Blue Blood reruns or whatever the hell we're watching. And I knew the Megan thing was on. I didn't want her to go downstairs to have to. So, and there was really nothing else much on TV. No, there was. I remember. I the watched NBA, 60 the NBA All Star game was on, but that was about no. it. Well, no, 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 no. I watched 60 minutes. I know you're rolling All Star games. Yes. No, no, especially whatever. So it was coming on. I'm thinking, okay, let's see what she's got to say. Yeah. And, and I, and I, look, I felt for that. Did, did you make it through the whole two hours? Oh yeah, no, we 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 did, and and you know, then when Harry came on, and then of course you're reading all the stuff yesterday about the reaction to it, and, and just and at some point I just said to my my wife knows how I feel about, it, but I said, Gene, I said, you know, and I've watched enough Diana stuff over the years, yeah, to, to, you know, but just this infatuation with the Royals, I don't get it. I, I understand why the Brits would be infatuated with the Royals, and I think what's going to come out of this is. You know, we talk about race in this country a lot, especially in the last couple of years. I think there's places, I, I think Britain's worse than we are. Yeah, I, I think that in looking at the conver- uh, looking at the statement that was released from the palace today, it's right. pretty clear that there's a, a reckoning. Well, what was the release? I, I didn't catch it. That they, they were apologetic in some ways that they felt that way. Uh, they would, um, hold on here. Um by the way, that Piers Morgan. They're, so they're apologizing that they, no. that Harry feels bad or uh, feels bad? issued a state. The whole family is saddened to learn a full extent of challenging how challenging the last few years have been from Harry and Meghan. Uh, the palace sent a statement breaking in silence. While recollections may vary, they are they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Harry, yeah. Meghan, and Archie will always be much loved mem- family members. The firm. Yeah, as the they firm. called it, the institution, yeah. the um, and then Megan's sister came. Me- Megan's half sister yeah. came out with some very disparaging stuff about Megan, which and again, look, I don't know how. All I know is this: if the royals didn't learn from Princess Diana, yeah, and what that turned into and how it ended, then they're never going to learn. And I think I remember last year when all the Black Lives Matters things were happening here, and the whole country was going to whatever. They did a story from over in Britain, and there was people over in Britain saying, "This exists over here." Yeah, you just don't hear about it because. But they said, and 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 I think there was a story yesterday, Kevin, that they said only three percent of um, uh, British journalists are black, right? like at the big papers or something, or some goofy number, and and this is why they report like things like this. I mean, I saw some of the headlines that, like have been used during this. And you know British tabloids are British tabloids. I mean, yeah. they're, they're trying to. They're still a newspaper trying to. 
it just seems to me that this whole thing, if you're going to be upset that Meghan Markle is half black, I mean, aren't we supposed to be past that? You would think? Or am I missing the point? I, 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 who knows? I mean, seriously, yeah, to me, we should be past it, but apparently we aren't. And maybe it's better we know that we're not. And I'm telling you the person, and, and maybe this is wrong, I don't know if I should feel, the person that really infuriates me through all this is Prince Charles. Because, first of all, the whole thing with Diana, and I'm not, look, I'm not saying Diana didn't do things that, that, that maybe she shouldn't have done, but he was having an affair while he was married to her, and yet she's the one that kind of took the brunt of the whatever. Yeah. You know, okay, fine, I get it, whatever. You're gonna, But shouldn't, why would Prince Charles... <laughs> Not talk to his son or not take calls from his son or say to his son, hey, what's the problem here? Like, like what, like what? It's, it's almost like I, they said to Harry, this is the way we do it. If you don't like it, you know, I, I imagine means. when we started this podcast, and I feel that way about his brother a little too, because I think his brother's got to be bigger I, than that. I, I, um, but I don't know. I, I don't have a brother, so maybe I'm speaking out of turn. Right. When we started this podcast three years ago, I never thought we'd do a deep dive on the royal family. So. I gotta well, admit, hey, look, it, it's the biggest story in the world. Yeah, it is. I mean, rightly, wrongly, and again, I don't have brothers or sisters, so I don't know the dynamic of all that. Yeah. But to me, if you're William, and I'm assuming they were pretty close. Yeah. And and Harry talked a lot the other night about his mother. Mm-hmm. You know about what his mother went through, but I just think at some point William's got to kind of say, and look, I don't know if there's friction between the two wives. I mean, I'm sure there is, whatever, but. William's just got to pick up a phone or something. And say, hey, Harry, you're my brother. Yep. I know this isn't good. You know, you know, if I can try to help, but but you're my brother. You're going to be my brother the rest of my life. It, 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 I mean, you know. But you then know, again, like I said, I'm watching Harry and Meghan sitting in this palatial California state. <laughs> like, and you know who made out the most out of all this? The real royalty, Oprah. Well, Oprah always does. I mean, yeah. and, and I, I, be honest with you, I think Oprah handled it pretty well. Yeah. I, I, cause I was trying to see, you know, if, if she was, she didn't do greenie. Let's put it that way. Um, oh, no. The, nobody, uh, nobody does. Greenie. I had a, I watched greenie for two hours today cause I was getting my car fixed. Oh, oh my God. God. I can hardly wait for the NFL draft. Oh God. But every, everything's the biggest story in the world to greenie. Exactly. Every, every, it was, it, you can only imagine, but it just, and I can understand that the biggest thing that I don't understand as a non-Brit. Okay, so Harry decides he doesn't want to be part of, of all this anymore because for whatever reasons. Don't you still owe it to Harry to say, okay, but we're going to protect you. Yeah. We're I, going to, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I, not. I don't. I, I would I, mean, I is, would think so. Six, but Mike, I've learned that they don't operate normally. Harry, he's sixth in line to the throne. I think if I have my information, and I'm guessing Archie might be seventh in line to the throne. Yeah, he's the great. He's the queen's grandma grandson, and you're now going to say, but we're not going to protect them because I. Uh, that seems kind of weird. And I know we're talking about money. I know we're talking about money that you're taking out of some, you know, British taxes or what. Somebody's paying for this. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. It, it just seems to me like when you're born into the royalty, even when you say we don't maybe, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, uh, it doesn't seem to me that big of a deal to no. say we're still going to protect you. Now I hear or, you. Or provide security, I guess. is you know, 
But anyway, but I don't feel, you know, I mean, look, how, how can I feel sorry for somebody who's never going to have to go to McDonald's because McDonald's gave you a coupon? <laughs> you think, on you think, that, hey, no. you know what? Harry can get those two tacos for a buck. Yes, he could. He's in California, sure. You think he does? Well, I, I, I bet you, I bet you. How about In-N-Out? You think he goes to In-N-Out? Oh, I would hope. No, that's royalty <laughs> right there. That's royalty right there. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we talked about the royal. I'm I, sh- I enjoyed uh, it. I, I know you did. <laughs> Our thanks to Chad McCaffrey for joining us. Our thanks to you for joining us. We're back on Friday. Have a good week. This is working the beat. Well, you went uptown riding in your limousine with your fine park.